Red means go. Red means go. And green is stop. Right. Much like when I was an engineer on on Engine 3, red means go. That's not firefighter friendly. That is not. We're going to fuck that up. Well, the red means chunk. Record. Yeah, like you're hot. Don't say anything stupid like we were just saying 25 seconds ago before we hit (laughs) record. This all has to be on the podcast, by the way. I hadn't said like all of this. So anyway, here we are again, the Associated Firefighters of Illinois podcast. Ah, yeah. Yes, boo that man. Boo him. And it's season three, episode three. You got it down now. Just so everybody is aware. Well, I didn't know it was easy around. And and again, for all of our listeners out there, Chuck was very. Stickler. He's like, you fucks. Like, I want to know what episode. If we want to be first place at some point, we have to like. We know what the what like, we're doing. Look, guys, just everybody out there listening, we're still trying to recover from the fact that we, we there's a conspiracy. Two years in a row, second place. There was there's there's there are UFOs. There was a second gunman on the grassy knoll. Okay. Yep. That whole Lincoln Kennedy connection. You ever like read that? There's mm-hmm. some weird shit that went on with that. Yep. Okay. The aliens built the pyramids. And there's a fucking conspiracy as to why we are in second place for the AFFI media, or the IFF Media Awards. It's amazing how that all relates. It's it. Oh yeah, our podcast. Yeah, it does. Yeah, deals with aliens. <laughs> Lincoln, does. Lincoln Kennedy. too. Can Lincoln I ask you guys a question? I was going to come up with my own T-shirt, and it was going to be, um, it was going to be a, a Cel- the Celtic mist mm-hmm. and an, a saucer above it with the light, and it was going to be like a firefighter getting beamed up. If I did that, and if I made that T-shirt, do you think it would sell at convention? Yes, I think oh, it yeah. would. 100%. I think it would sell. Actually, for everybody out there listening, please reach out to us and let us know if you'd be interested in buying this T-shirt. Maybe I'll put my I'll put a jet my head. <laughs> it's our new pack incentive gift. The pack incentive <laughs> gift would be a firefighter like that, you know, like spread, like just getting yeah, sucked. Light. The bright light getting yeah. sucked up, arm spread, and on the back is just like my face. And underneath, I told you so. Yep. Because that shit's real. And when Jerry says reach out, please feel free to reach out to his personal cell phone. <laughs> what he's saying. Call, call him directly and have that conversation with him. Uh, do you guys want to do that? I'll bet you the over-under is we will sell 100 of those T-shirts and over-under, and 100% of the proceeds will go towards an AFFI pack. What do you think? I think it would be amazing. There's a committee that approves that, right? Yeah. Legislative committee. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, at the end of the day, I just can't believe like my twisted. I just came up with that right now. Like it just that just happened. So, in the in the mind of Jerry. <laughs> All right, so we are here with a special guest. I was saying before we hit record that I saw Buddy Guy last night because it's his farewell tour, and I love Buddy Guy. And I am more excited that this guy's next to me because I haven't seen him in a while. Comes out every once in a while, shares his wisdom with the world, and then disappears back down to central Illinois. <laughs> so <laughs> just he's it's just amazing. So just please we're here with Luke slash Timmy and Chuck. Just introduce yourself for the 
for the record of proceedings today. All right. I don't know if that means like I'm on my farewell tour or you've announced Yo, something that I don't, no. that I'm not Does aware I'm of. More excited about it? <laughs> you're, you're basically like the blues legend of the associated fire. President. Well, thank you. Thank okay. you. Uh, my name is Chris Coates. I'm the district two vice president for the associated firefighters of Illinois represent, uh, 38 locals, uh, from just North of I-80 now, since we redistricted down to just North of, <clears throat> of Springfield, uh, 23 years on the Pekin fire department. Uh, spent 10-ish years or so as president in Pekin. Uh, I was elected to the AFFI Executive Board in 2010, so I've been serving for about the last 13 years as uh, oh, well, you've been, District 2 VP. So, yeah, you've been 13 years as District 2 VP. Yep. Were you were you at the same time with 524 as, as president? Was there a time frame that was in there? Yeah, it, it overlapped for about uh, close to a year, and it just it got to be too much uh, to try to, to keep track of. Right. Of everything. Right. The peaking. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. We had some new up and comers that were looking to advance their role in 524. And so it worked out really good that they stepped up and I've let them run with it. And they've done a fantastic job. That's awesome. Fantastic. So we are here today to discuss the wonderful world of district vice presidents, right? Absolutely. And is it Brignall's wife that we talk about? What's her name? <laughs> Yeah, Jamie. 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 Yeah. Jamie. We yeah. should only talk about Denise, she's, actually. Yeah, Denise is amazing. Denise might be the disservised president of the Coates household. She right? she is the pro she is the Chuck Sullivan <laughs> of that household. And this guy right here is like the one week rookie at that household. We have to say hi to Denise. Yes. Hi Denise. Yes. <laughs> and Mrs. Brignall, our number one fan. And Jamie. Yeah. Right. And Jamie. Right. One Denise right, gonna right. become our number one fan now or what? Probably, yeah. Or she's going to be mortified that we even brought her, <laughs> we brought brought her name up. Yeah. yeah, she's like, oh my god. She's like, I've tried to disassociate myself yeah. from that guy. Right. Right. You think my husband's so competent, man? Is he have you fooled, right? That's weird. You know. So for those that that don't know, um, obviously the AFFI Associated Firefighters of Illinois, we now have 227 different local affiliates. Awesome. Um, with over 15,000 firefighters and paramedics, um, the way our State Association is structured. We have three at-large officers, which includes myself, Luke Howison, Timmy Howison, sorry, Hi. and Kurt Snow is the Secretary Treasurer. We also have three legislative reps, and we have five district vice presidents, of which Chris just identified himself as the District Two Vice President. And you know, at the various seminars and conferences that that we host throughout the year. Um, I've always been – Chris and I came on the AFFI executive board about the same time. Um, and Chris has all – with the exception of two years, the first two years, I was there. Jim Schrepfer, district um, vice president awesome. emeritus, Jim Schrepfer. Uh, Chris had big shoes to fill <laughs> and big hands to fill. He has, you ever seen his hands? Yes. He's, he's, Jesus. He's a mutant. Holy yeah, smokes. Trepfer. They're like boxing gloves. Trepfer, yeah. He's like 400 years old right now, and I feel like he can crush my face at any moment. Right. So, yeah. Right. So Chris and I obviously have, have – I grown up, I guess you could say, um, uh, on the AFFI executive board. And um, uh, I can obviously speak. Uh, my Champagne Local is represented by Chris. And um, our district vice presidents, what I like to say is they are the face of the AFFI. They are constantly on the phone with their various locals and just a whole host of issues that uh, that Timmy and, and Chris are going to talk about. But um, they are really our our first line of communication from the rank and file member to their local president and their district vice president. So and um, to us, it's illegal. And they reach out to us all the time. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So and 
Chris, I can't say enough good things about him, not because he's sitting right next to me, but um, Denise told again, you why. I, the central district, what the old central district, always, district it'll two, always be the central, right, central district. Is, uh, <laughs> is very, very well represented and, and taken care of for sure. Who did you guys uh, uh, pick up after the, after the redistricting? What, what I forgot what happened. So districts, is it four and five, had, had grown exponentially as the color, color cities and stuff have continued to organize and everything else. And we've done a great job of organizing. It just got to be where it was, um, I don't want to say overburdensome to them, but it was hard for, for those districts to effectively service all of their locals. So my district picked up Shanahan, Manuka, Sterling Rock yeah. Falls, Dixon, Dixon Rural, all of those that, that are were close to that 80 corridor, which was my old cutoff. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to have them. Uh, oh, yeah. I've had great, uh, there's some good experiences with there. all of them. And yeah, there's some, some really good locals and they're doing, doing a lot of good things up, up in that area. So I'm excited to be able to represent cool. them and, and hopefully do them justice for who I took over for. Cool. So what are we doing today? So, <laughs> Weird pause there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We were all thinking about this at the IFF Media Awards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's bullshit. All right. So what we thought we'd do today, and, and Chuck, in most of our episodes, talks about the organization, how we work. We really want to dive into the service side of our organization today. And we have three components of the organization. We hit our service side, our legislative side, and our education side. And the service side is the most used uh, by our membership. And uh, the district vice presidents are that conduit. And we kind of want to get into, you know, the services that the district vice presidents provide. And then to encourage our locals to utilize them. Um, a lot of times some locals may call an attorney first before calling a DVP. And it's really worth the effort to call your DVP first because Jerry costs a lot of money. I, I would agree. I just want to I agree with you 100 percent. that I mean, myself, Margaret, Amanda, we've had conversations where we've actually told locals as well. Truly, all lawyer jokes aside, like, you know, hey, your DVPs really, they can handle this as opposed to, I mean, at some point, the shit's going to hit the fan, you're going to pay us over something, right? But at the end of the day, going to the district VP first really, really, really makes sense. And we've actually sent people that way. So Yeah, they're already paying for us by paying their paying their dues and their per cap. So, I mean, absolutely utilize that every every chance you get. And there's going to be times where we're going to tell them that, hey, I don't know that, but I'll find out. Yeah. And that's when we call you or Margaret or, or whoever to to help make sure that we're we're giving good advice. I think that's a really good point and something that I I do like is that the district VPs will reach out to us and they will say, hey, and, and that's OK. Like none of us in this room can spell astrophysics, let alone walk into a class and teach it. Right. So at the end of the day, the district VPs will call us and say, OK, I have taken this as far as I'm comfortable going. I need to talk to you for 15 minutes. And that, that effort uh, saves hours and hours of uh, litigation on the back end most of the time. So, yeah, yeah from, from an advocacy standpoint, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think it's just a good reminder to let our locals know, hey, we have this structure in place and we're here to help you and assist you through whatever the issue may be. And um, we'll right. dive into negotiations a little bit. But, you know, Chris, maybe kind of talk about, you know, what's – What's the common thing you handle for your locals and, and you know, what, yeah, what do you do, you do on a daily basis? Trends, the, yeah. the DV, the DVPs really are kind of a, a catch all. We should be, as, as Chuck said, that first point of contact or, or the face that most of the locals recognize 
um, when it comes to the AFFI. Uh, we're there to help them through negotiations. I take the majority of my locals all the way up through maybe halfway through mediation before if we're not getting anywhere, then I'll talk to them about, hey, it's time to loop your attorney. And whether it's uh, Jerry, Margaret, whoever it is, um, I believe that they're they're fully capable, along with my help, to negotiate um, up to that point where we're at impasse. And that's where I bring the attorneys in like, hey, I want to know what your last best offer is because that's where we're going to be right. at for, right. for, uh, for arbitration. Um, but we also help with um, promotional issues. Uh, I'm dealing with a few of them right now where we're trying to get the promotional process straightened out. They've been working a certain way or going down a certain road for a while. Maybe now it's not just working. And in one case, it's just not working. Nobody's able to uh, nobody's able to get the certs that are needed because of financial constraints of the district and sending people to classes and the amount of overtime everybody's working nowadays. Um, we need to readdress that that promotional process and maybe go back to something where they get the education after being promoted. Something something along those lines. Um, as well as still, we're still, we have a few stragglers that we're setting up things in in conjunction with the Promotions Act. You know, it's they've had a way that they've, it's been working for a really long time and now it's not. And so now we're trying to navigate that, um, those hurdles as to, as to how to get the promotion process set up where it's fair and it's equitable to everybody else. It's a couple departments that still don't know what the Promotion Act, yeah. <laughs> the promotion act is. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's just the truth. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, the only thing we hate. More than change is the way things are. Right. I mean, it's, that's just the way, way firemen work. Well, until recently, we had a couple locals that were based solely on seniority for promotions. Yes. And that yes. was it. And, uh, you know, that's a historic uh, type of approach. But there was locals that still How did you get operated that By way. By breathing. Yes, right. I've been here for a long time. <laughs> I've been in here as long as this kitchen table's been in the station. Therefore, yeah. here's your bugle. Yeah. Right, by, and, and, it still, and it still works for them. And that's, I guess, one of the things that I know that, that Chuck talks about it a lot is that that's that local autonomy. You know, you do you. What works good for, for Berwyn maybe doesn't work in Pekin, you know, or, or DeKalb. It's, it's, well, the local autonomy is huge. So that's a lot of what we deal with is get in and tell me what works well, for no, Berwyn, but, you know. One of the things I think to, to your point where you guys are, are, are so good with that is from our point of view, as counsel, I tell my locals all the time, and sometimes they're a little, little put off by it. There's so much in a contract that I just don't care about. Not, not that you, I mean, you want the best contract that you can get, right? But look, in terms of how you guys call out for overtime, how you guys, uh, what weights that you want for promotions, certain things like that, as long as it's fair and equitable and everybody has an opportunity and it works for you guys for that local autonomy, go ahead and have at it. And I think you guys are really great for that because. You don't need me to you don't need to pay counsel to come in and say, all right, let's let's figure out like your your you know, you, do, you, do you want seniority to be worth 10 percent or 5 percent? Do you want chief points, whatever? You guys will figure it out because good like labor counsel is going to be like, all right, hey, man, whatever. Does this work for you guys? You know, and that's the end of that. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, I get that a lot when I go into locals and they're working on like you mentioned overtime, how overtime is filled and everything else. And and historically, I always get the question, well, how do you do it in Pekin? Well, I'll tell you how I do it, but tell me how you do it here and why you don't like the way it is. Right. Because again, what works in what works in Pekin may not work in Naperville or, or, or whatever. Right. So a lot of times it gets turned, the, the script kind of gets flipped and I get somebody calling me and asking me a question and before you know it, I'm asking them like four or five, six questions. Tell me why you do it this way. Tell me why you don't like it. Okay. How have you, you know, has it been consistent? Has it not been consistent? 
right. how are things working? Because again, when you know, just like counsel, I need to understand the whole thing. Why do you have and, seven pages going back to the eighties on your overtime yeah, procedure? Yeah, right? well, you know, because it's a Tuesday, and we're going to pick. You know, <laughs> okay. you, you get that <laughs> on Tuesdays when the moon is in Jupiter and it's the age of Aquarius. This guy gets forced back, right? right? And, so. and and that's a lot of a lot of the DVP's job is. You know, I get a lot of I get a lot of questions. You know, we help with negotiations, we help with promotions, we help with grievances. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when I get that phone call, I'm on the road up and down travel between meetings or whatever. The first thing I usually do is I'll ask him, okay, what's your contract say? Right. All right. And then wait, it, hold on one second. You'd be surprised when, how many times it's met with crickets. Right. I was just going to say, when you say, well, have you reviewed your contract? What does it say? Um, how many Mississippi of silence is there <laughs> on the other end of the phone? Yeah. 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 And then I'll get a screenshot of a text message that I've tried to read going down the road to, Absolutely. to answer the answer question for me. Yeah. But but no, I mean, local autonomy is huge. And that's that's just like you when you come in as legal counsel, you know, to a certain extent, you tell me what you want and I'll tell you whether we can get it or right. not, um, and whether it's based in reality or right. not. Well, I think one of the, of the beauties of our district vice presidents, they represent multiple locals, right? You got, you know, Art and Matt are close to like 60 locals. You have 30 some. Fortuna's in the 40s. Um, Perry's in the 30s roughly as well. But we all talk, right? right? And your experience going in the different locals does provide some background and context to these locals. Like, even though they do ask, hey, how do you do it here or there? You've seen different things that work well in some places where, hey, I already know these guys went down this road and it's not yeah. worth it it's for you to disaster, go down. Right? Yeah, and and we, you know, just even this morning on the way into the podcast, Chris and I were just talking about different things going on in this district. So there's that conduit that we all have as vice president, uh, sorry, vice presidents, chatting about different topics or, hey, I got this issue. Have you seen it? So it really brings the whole state together. And that's a that's just a great resource in itself um, that I think should be utilized more. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. You know, we work very well together. We work mostly with the same legal counsel. Uh, and so we get to know the personalities. We get to know, you know, I probably have, am fairly close to knowing what Jerry is going to tell me when I ask him a question. Um, as he is when he asked me a question, you know, we, we've worked together enough that yeah. we feel comfortable and we can have that honest conversation. The, and if I don't know, I tell you, I, I don't know. I'm not going to make the question make is whether or not the locals listen to our sage advice. Yeah. That's a yeah. Story for, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and they, and they have that choice at the end of the they day. They do. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. That's, you know, the local autonomy. That's, you know, that that is the basis of negotiations is, you know, what works, what works for your jurisdiction and tell me what you want. And I'll do my best to be able to help you sit down and negotiate an agreement that that makes sense encompasses for that. Yeah. What trends are you seeing out there now, maybe over the last? So as we're coming out of, I mean, COVID, if you didn't experience the world of bargaining and labor negotiations and oh. labor administration and COVID uh, for, our, for our future posterity, oh my God. Uh, but coming out of COVID now, uh, so to speak, going, getting back to like traditional non- unbelievable emergency issues. What what are you seeing out there in terms of what locals are asking for, what what they're looking at? I if if there is anything. In yeah, no, I mean there's there's a few things that, that come to mind right away. Um one, residencies become a big issue again. Um some of that is because of the work shortage, the labor shortage. Sure. Um you're finding a lot of cities um are coming back to the table and, and discussing residency. My municipality came back to us mid contract and said, Hey, we want to waive residency exclusively. They were doing it for for all employees. Um, you would hope it was that easy. Um, 
but they, they, the employers are coming back and they're realizing that they have to be able to reach out farther, that, that the days of getting somebody to move into their municipality to take a job are waning. They're, you know, they're, they're going by the wayside. Um, in CPI, I know this, Matt's, Matt Campbell sitting with us, I know CPI has been a big one. We've, we've had to use um, our database and, our, and the strong work that those guys are doing as that, that shield and sword both. Right. The you know to to temper expectations when it comes to when it comes to collective bargaining as to why that CPI is eight and a half percent. I should get an eight and a half percent raise just to keep up with the cost of living. Well, I get that argument, but how about ten years ago when it was negative? Were you were you cool with taking a were you taking a cool <laughs> yeah. with taking a half of a percent you hear those pay decrease? All the time. Yeah, yeah you, you know what I mean. Uh, so that's and I don't want to infringe on on Matt's Matt's talk, but CPI has been a big one. Lately, and, it, and you know, then it always comes down to hours, wages, and insurance. Yeah, you know, it always it always comes down to those things. Ultimately, yeah. every negotiation breaks down to that. The one thing that I haven't seen, I mean, more than it's been a little less than than usual. Not too much in the way of uh, of discipline out there. There's been a couple doozies, um, but overall, I haven't seen a, an uptick. Uh, I would say in discipline, but that's just that's just me. I don't know. It no. just might be like the flavor of the day, but yeah, it, it comes and goes. Yeah. Um, as far as like you have streaks where where discipline is very prevalent, and then you'll go periods of time where it's not. Yeah, and it, those are you know that's the other avenue of, of the things that DVPs do. Uh, we help with disciplinary issues. I always joke that I wish I'd have kept a journal from the, the time I started as a district vice president that. The working title of my book would be "Awesome Shit Firemen Do," <laughs> and just keep track of. If you change the names, it would be a bestseller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Protect, but then, like the to, feds would be knocking to protect on your door. Like, we want, we want, yeah. we want names. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you know, it's and, and I joke about that. You know, the majority of, of the time, we have great guys, and we're there because they're not being treated fairly. Absolutely, I mean, that, that's the majority of it. Yeah, it's the vast an, majority. An employer tries to take an issue of somebody. Backing a fire truck into the fire station. I, that's when I was using. You hit a you barrier out in front, and you do a thousand dollars worth of damage on a fire truck. Yeah, we're going to give you two days off. Ah, come on, what are we doing? Is there? that realistic? You know, let's. Yeah. You know, yeah, he screwed up, but it's his first offense. He's a twenty-year guy and never been in trouble ever. Right, maybe just give yeah. me a stern talking to. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I personally did that, I'd have like thirty cents. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, that's legit. It is. Yeah, well, and that's just something like mistakes are going to happen. Accidents right. are going to happen, right. and. You know, and, and, and guys are going to make mistakes even more than that, that I think uh, making sure the process is fair for them. And, again, these guys, the district vice presidents, are a great resource for that. Because yeah, that firm- is the other pillar that, you know, kind of was my segue into, I mean, you guys do, are like kind of really the first line of contact in terms of discipline of, hey, man, like this is this is what we got. What do you think, you know? Right, right. And, you know, it's I'm a firm believer that, you know, discipline is a good thing. If it's done appropriately and done fairly, absolutely. You know, as long as the punishment fits the crime, um, do your do your time. I guess. You I know, I don't know. I don't know in my my career of any labor I, either with you know any president, district vice president, really any good attorney out there who has said that you know discipline's unnecessary. Your your guys always getting screwed over, etc. I mean, but I think you you hit it on the head. Discipline is necessary as long as it is reasonable and 
measured and you know the punishment fits the crime for 100 yeah. percent. absolutely yeah my, my my favorite story on that is tell them that here, here's how much i buy into it and how much i believe it is early on in my career is probably six or seven years on the job fairly new union president i did what every six or seven year old guy or seven years on the job guy does i let my mouth override my brain and I get <laughs> going and all of a sudden i realize that i have gone too far like, you know, then you have that awkward silence. And yeah, yeah, so shit. I end up in the chief's <laughs> office and I'm there with the vice president because obviously I didn't want to handle my own disciplinary. And the chief's like, hey, you know, I feel really bad about this. I'm like, yeah, me too. Wish I hadn't said it, but I did. Yeah. So what are we going to do about it? Like, you're going to write me up. Oh, I don't feel I don't feel comfortable. Like, no, chief, you have to write me up. Like, I way overstep the line and you have to write me up. Oh, I just hate to do it. Like, I'm arguing. I'm the union president now and I'm arguing for my discipline. Right. Like if you don't dis- if you don't discipline me, how are you ever going to discipline? You're going to turn me into even more of a yeah. little bastard. Yeah, yeah, I'm going right. to be an even bigger asshole than I am right now. Uh, maybe, and my guys will tell you I probably am. Yeah, but you know, it's it's. But again, I I can look at it objectively. Whether it's it's in my local, whether it's in Luke's local, or whether it's whoever, I think that's a huge. Thing, what the VPs have to do is to be able to come in and look at it based on its merits. Well, and, and again, the, the segue into discipline, the good district vice presidents that you, that you are, um, there's discipline on our end that we aren't even aware of. We have no idea, like whatever. And then there's discipline where you guys have, have called and said, oh, shit, this is this is what we got. And right. it's, you know, it's like that. So I think the other side to it is is your ability to recognize things and maybe get to us a lot faster uh, than a, a local would know to do, um, because sometimes even even a day makes a difference. I mean, in terms of getting a guy some help or really understanding or getting him connected with uh, different types of legal counsel, um, that is a even a, even a day would make a difference. And then you guys have recognized that at least what I've seen. It's like, man, I'm glad this guy's calling me on Tuesday and not Thursday morning about this particular, you know, bad issue or big issue. Or something yeah, like yeah, absolutely. I mean, then that's just that's being the good conduit between the locals and the attorneys. Yeah. You know, you don't want every single phone call going whether, hey, again, this guy backed the truck into the firehouse and now he's getting a written reprimand. Too. Do they need to call Asher Gittler right. to to talk to you yeah. to go? Yeah, the guy should get a written get get a written <laughs> reprimand. Um, right, you know, you can save that trouble, that headache of right. of having to deal with all. He forced things. a busload off of nuns to drive off a cliff. He should get a written reprimand. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, uh, that type of thing. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so I mean, that's that's what the locals should be should be using us for and contacting us. Well, going back to bargaining, and one of the things that we were talking about, we have another special guest here. That uh, he was mentioned before, uh, the legend precedes him. Right, it was an awkward silence while we were all staring at him <laughs> in the room. But can you just uh, introduce yourself so that the uh, individuals out there in Radio Land know who's here? Sure, my name is Matt Campbell. I'm the uh, executive director of information technology for the AFFI. I work in the data department with three data analysts: Mark Kohler, Dan Clenworth, and Tony Peloso. Our job is to manage and maintain the relational database management system that we utilize to provide um, like decision or uh, data-driven decision resources for our locals. So our data department currently maintains the database that houses all the municipal financial information, all the collective bargaining information, contract language information, as well as member and, and local 
information. In order to be able to do that, it takes a lot of effort on the analyst side and the data department as a whole to be able to have that database, um, what we term as hot and ready to roll, so that when requests come in, we can spit those requests out in reports, provide our locals the information they need to be successful at the bargaining table or when working with their DBPs to determine strategy, et cetera. So two things. One, much like Elvis, Chuck has left the building. He had to go back down to Springfield to advocate for us. So Chuck hates data. The inst- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chuck, yeah. Uh, you can check out the website, chuckhatesdata.com, um, and he's there railing against it. But he's there. So the room just got so much less cooler uh, right now. Um, but whatever. Uh, I just want to say for the membership that is out there, um, this is part of your dues. Um, what you guys do, it is astonishing to me when I will have a local um, that has gone into negotiations on their own. Uh, they're six, seven months in, you know, they're stalled. They will call me and be like, okay, well, you know, where are you guys at? And have you done an updated, you know, comp analysis? Have you done an updated, you know, like the MFAs, like to understand, like kind of kind of make this this really fuzzy, you know, trying to hit a target in the, in, a, in the dark, in the fog, a little clearer in terms of understanding, you know, where to go. And then, you know, they'll look at me like, no, we haven't done that yet. And I'm like, you know, like, Jesus, you know, can you, you know, immediately. Yeah. And like um, you said, they, they're paying for the service. It's available to them. It um, can help them make good decisions on their strategies, right, before they get to the table. And look, I just have to say this because I knew you were going to be here, but like real world example, you and I – Probably within the last four or five months, we were set for interest arb for a local on an insurance issue and ran the numbers a million different ways, um, multiple conference calls um, in terms of what this offer was going to be. And what we were able to do was to show and really show the local, look, here's your longstanding contract language. Uh, here's where the numbers are at in terms of dollar amount translated into percentages, et cetera. Here's what you're going for. This is, this is where you're going to end up. And I, I can remember taking that data, going to the employer council and saying, look, th- this is the offer. This is where we're going to end up. And I think that contract settled as opposed to a, a considerable time and expense of interest arbitration, probably within 10 days after that. Uh, because the employer looked at it and said, yeah, you're right. This is this is where we're going to end up. Um, and we went from the time and expense of interest arbitration to, you know, us having a couple different meetings, me torturing the shit out of you, asking you to run the data 45 different ways, but really also explaining to the local and like what Chris was saying, tempering their expectations of, look, if you're looking for a sea change, uh, this is where you're going to end up. And that contract settled and the guys are happy. It was fantastic. I mean, just we, we've done that so many times with your department, but this was just a recent one that you're like, yeah, like this shit works if you just let you guys work your magic and do it, right? Yeah, and I think we house so much information and put so much effort into making sure that we have as much data to provide answers and to be the knowledge resource for our locals that um, we get to use the data in two ways, both to compel our employers or to convince an arbitrator, but then also to temper the expectations. And all the DVPs do a great job at that. There's not a better day for success for the data department than when an employer tells their local, you know, nobody gives a financial incentive to a spouse to not join the healthcare plan. That doesn't exist anywhere. 
Right. That's false, and we can prove it because we've had yeah, we've like studied twenty five. Yeah, we've studied every collective bargaining agreement. We studied them as soon as they were ratified. We don't have to go look it up. I can give you this answer in twenty minutes. Like we get a lot of locals through either DVP or their attorney. We'll reach out to the data department in the middle of negotiations at a caucus, be able to come back to the table with the answer on either a false claim or to support their own claim. The employers can't do that. They would spend weeks or months researching the information that we've already got compiled and available for our locals. I think as part of tempering expectations, one of the examples I always use is, you know, if, if every employer or every employee had, which is a great benefit for us, the ability to take a grievance to interest arbitration or a dispute with their employer to interest arbitration. So if a guy works at a restaurant, he works as a cook and he goes out with a couple other cooks in the neighborhood and they start talking about compensation and hours worked and stuff. And he goes, I think I'm getting screwed on this deal. And he goes to his employer and says, listen, I need a raise because I was talking to Vince. Vince works at the restaurant three doors down. He makes $40,000 more a year than me and he works 10 hours less a week. I think that's ridiculous. I want that same rate. The employer says, I, look, I value my employees, but I can't pay you that rate. It's not, I don't think that's fair and I don't think I can afford it. And if everybody had the ability to, he goes, well, let's go to arbitration because I think you're wrong and we're at an impasse. They go before the arbitrator and the guy goes, look, I work at this restaurant, Vince three doors down, gets paid a ton more money than me, works a lot less hours. And I don't think that's fair. And the arbitrator says, all right, employer, what do you think? And the employer goes, look, I value my employees. I'd like to pay him more. He's not wrong. The guy down the street does make more money and works 10 less hours. Uh, but that's a high-end steak place. They're getting $150 a plate, and we're a hot dog stand. So <laughs> we're not comparable. We're not reasonable. Yeah, those details so, happen to come out. Right? That right. guy's going to lose that arbitration. He's also going to lose uh, – his employer is going to lose faith in his ability to bring forth a reasonable collective bargaining and argument. So we can help with the data department of when a local says, you know, I think because I talked to a couple of guys or friends of mine from the academy that they should be able to get this, that, or the other. I think we often, probably as often as we're creating mediation exhibits for the attorneys is helping the DVPs temper expectations and get good, reasonable strategy to bring to the table. Well, I've never seen anything like it. And I've said before, and we've talked about your, your guys and what you do uh, previously uh, in, in multiple ways. Um, but, you know, our, our firm being lucky enough to represent all different kinds of labor, tons of labor, you know, protected services, uh, general service, you know, interest ARB eligible, non-interest ARB eligible, et cetera, all different types of civilian sworn, um, just for everybody out there who is listening. I really mean this is sincere. I've never seen anything like what you guys are, are able to do. And also, like you said, in, in terms of, you know, caucusing for 35 minutes for lunch and calling up and being like, Hey, they just said X. And then like, like you want to, you want to like, for lack of a better term, like you want to like freak your employer out in the middle of bargaining, you know, come back in like 35 minutes with an entire data set of something that they just said 35 minutes ago and like watch them be like, Oh, it's huge. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, and I think yeah, it's incredible. The ability that you guys have to do that. And then it proves to the employer that, we're not fucking around. Not, not only are we not fucking around, but we're responsible, we're reasonable, and we're researched, right? right? And I think for our members, our members that have been to alts or other conferences have talked about, you know, collective bargaining laws or the lack thereof in other states. 
our ability to be able to produce these exhibits pretty quickly on what a, a good argument for comparable communities is, to be able to compare compensation, time off, hours worked, holiday benefits, and have that all accessible in a database, which I, I want to make sure I mentioned was completely built from scratch by Sean Gillis. Oh, yeah. Um, and our He's ability... going to be so excited when he hears that shout out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but he is... The data godfather. Does he still have the license plate? Didn't he have the yeah, data it, license plate? It says plate? data, and then his login to the um, database as a guest is going to be data Don moving forward. <laughs> uh, the data um, father. Yeah. But, you know, other states will reach out and say, hey, we heard you guys have the ability to build these exhibits, and how do you track all of your information? We tell them we go to the comptroller's office to get this. We go to the... Department of Insurance to get this pension data. We get all the collective bargaining agreements, and they're like, "How how do you do all that?" And and <laughs> and you know you can get a, a pile of dots, right? You can get a pile of shit. So yeah. the question is, how do you put all of that in the black box that spits out the answer, so that in thirty five minutes over a lunch caucus, you could walk back in and be like, "Well." Here's like the four ways you're going to lose. Or in 35 minutes, tell your guys, here's the four ways you're going to lose, right? Yeah. So it's incredible. It takes a lot of effort to manage um, a database system because everybody's probably heard this, but bad data in is going to result in bad data out. So it takes a lot of effort to manage it. In other states, other areas of the country, they are just calling or foying as many contracts as they can. And then whoever the local secretary is or whoever volunteered is going to read those contracts. I know attorneys out there who have told uh, different units, not this is not, I have nothing to do with AFFI, but I've told different units, well, you guys go out and do some research and, you know, find your own comps, your own comparables. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Because, you know, this guy who's an expert in this field, he's going to know how to build a comparable database in this industry. Right. right. Like, what are you talking and about? And then when we start appearing in front of arbitrators, then those arguments aren't consistent. They're not using the same data sets. They're not reliable, et cetera. So I think our members are getting a high value out of our data department. I don't think California has anything like no, that. No, California we're, doesn't have anything. We're number one. We're number one. No, I mean, and Matt's kind of going on that road. I shall fight you. I can, I can say this, you know, just in recently being at the IFF Alts, the other states do not have this resource. They're lucky if they even have all the contracts of their local. Like our, our local officers can go right to the AFI webpage, hold on and look at the different contracts yeah. if they need to. But even just that that's something what you would probably consider a simple first step in gathering information, but to provide the information that our data department will do, uh, or even our vice presidents to go and sit at the table and help you understand this data and how you're going to apply it in your negotiations. The other states don't have that resource. Some of them are, are relying on IFF reps to even come in in a system who are already taking care of multiple locals and, and maybe multiple states. So I, I think it's important our members understand the system we have, the resources we have are second to none. Second to none. Yes. But um, it's... Uh, Luke slash Timmy, that was good, dude. Yeah, that was a great yeah. segue, second to none. It's The Luke uh, slash Timmy story. I'm still burnt about this podcast thing. <laughs> but uh, it is. But yeah, the, the resources that you guys have. And they can even take something, you know, we get it from time to time. Like, hey, we need research on this specific topic. You know, it might not even be in trying to get information for a contract. It might be like, hey, um, promotional ways, I think. Is yeah, or like, on. hey, we want, we're looking to take over the ambulance, which has been common lately, transport ambulance. Absolutely. We can put together data packages for them on that research. Um, they're working on right now everybody's favorite one, uh, 
Marijuana language. Marijuana language, right? That's yeah. uh, you know. You guys, I had a dog fight uh, out in in maybe one of the locals that uh, Chris is 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 used to, and uh, uh, you guys were incredible. Not only that, but you you guys went to IFF and said, "Okay, well, wait, nationwide." Literally, I can remember being in my office and I'm looking at contracts from. Uh, you know, Washington State and like Connecticut and whatever. So you guys like went to IFF and like their counterparts over there. And I'm looking at all these contracts at least to see, I mean, you know, was this massive city in Washington State a comparable? No, but here's language that they've worked on in three cycles of contract negotiations. Hey man, that language is pretty nice and it works and it's fair to the employer, et cetera. So like that, like to your point, like it's incredible. Yeah, for sure. I kind of want to hit back on uh, Chris here kind of walk through for our locals, like, hey, they call you in to assist with negotiations. How do you start to intersect with Matt? Like, at what point do you get there? But, you know, how do you start to intersect with our data department and, and then move fall forward? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, generally, what happens is, is when we get close to time to bargain, we'll, through the office, we'll send out a reminder for them to file their demand to bargain letter. After that, I will follow up with a local and say, hey, you know, what are what are your intentions going forward? I have many locals that use me from one end of the spectrum to the other, where I may be the one that comes in and I do all the talking for all of negotiations. I give all the proposals, all the counters, everything else. The local tells me what they want, but I do the speaking. I have some that the union president's like, "Hey, here, sit next to me. Start smacking me if I get too far right. off the trail, off the tracks, and stop me from saying something stupid." I get other. I have others that have Jerry or Margaret come in from the get go. Again, local autonomy is huge. You know, the local tells me what they want to do. So let's say I get a local that comes in and says, "Hey, here's what we want." I, you know, I tell them put put together your wish list. I'm doing air quotes here. You can see call me. Wish, for sure. wish, wish list. I'll sit down with them and I'll talk to them about what what their thoughts are, what the going trends are. You know, where where wages are looking at, what we're looking at. I like the going going rate thing. What do we call it? The downstate settlement index survey of settlements. Survey of settlements. You know, that the Gillis data had to come the, up the data with something. Does. Yeah, yeah. I call it the going rate. Here's what arbit if we were to go to arbitration. Here's what arbitrators are are awarding now. So that again, that kind of tempers expectations. That CPI is ten. Our going rate of settlements is, is three and a half percent. You know, just making numbers up. Um, I'll talk to them through their. Uh, through their proposal is, is to what they want. Tell them which ones I think are probably a good idea. Maybe some that aren't such a great good idea. Let's rank them in an order of importance. You tell me what's more important. If you're if you're wanting wages and you're wanting Kelly days, cool. What's more important? Do you want the Kelly days over the wages? Or are you willing to take a little less for wages in order to get another Kelly day or vice versa? Um, so we sit down and we have some real heart to heart discussions as to as to what's important to them. And then we'll start talking about um, data and, and comparability. And, and we've talked a lot here with Matt about comparability, but I'd like him to touch a little bit more on how we determine comparability. We do something that is a, is a basic comp analysis that, that we pull together information from the comptroller's website. I'm going to butcher it, Matt. And then Matt and I sit down and we talk about who we believe are true comparables and, for and, them. And, this is and, and by the way, this to talk wages or anything. This is just, do you even match up with, you know, don't peek and come in 
in the middle of the state and say, you know what, I like something Aurora has, who's four times the size of me. Well, again, that's and, the steakhouse and the hot dog stand. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. And, and, and that's where the, we determine, you know, what is what is a true comparable. It, well, and that's the thing. And by the way, you know, this isn't state secrets here, right? I mean, like the employer does the exact same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the question is they should. whether or not, yeah. you know, the, it comes down to the data, right? Right. So, eh. Yeah. So the big, I mean, they try, you know, they try, <laughs> that's, they they may try. that's a good, that's a good yeah, answer. Yeah, right. they try. Um, so I think for the data department, the first step Chris usually comes to us with is let's talk about comparables. So we study that through the basic comparable analysis. Basic comparable analysis takes um, all the information for the municipality or the fire district from their AFR, their annual financial report. So it's their own reported data. It's not something that we came up with on our own and as well as their pension fund information because that gives us a number of FD employees, et cetera. So we compare um, across 10 different points, and then we would say, look, these are 10 out of 10, they are 8 out of 10, they're 9 out of 10 on these 10 different criteria that we set up. And that's a good place to start is if we're going to try and determine our bargaining schedule or trying to determine what the market rate is for firefighters or what's fair, let's start with who are comparable communities to us so that we're not arguing steak joints to hot dog stands. Um, the only caveat to that, and, and Jerry, I'll have you talk about it a little bit, is we can use the basic comp analysis to determine who is currently fair and comparable. However, there are locals out there who have historic historical comps that were established in arbitration. Yeah. No, I, I would say, and again, I don't want to get into too much of the planning and strategy, et cetera, of what we do, but, you know, comparables are an art and a science, right? Uh, and you, you are trying to get it right. My personal belief is that external comparables are remarkably important uh, to the, all, all due respect to the incredible arbitrators out there who disagree. I, I, I think it's wrong because, uh, at the end of the day, the reality of the situation is much like Chris was talking about, and, and, and I've made this argument, this open argument in front of so you know, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, you uh, have kids today that want to enter the fire service and uh, using the power of the Googles have all of these contracts in front of them and understand residency and wages, etc. And that is the market. And they know that they can come to you know, Berwyn, they can come to Pekin, they can come to DeKalb, et cetera, and they can look up the residency requirements and wages and overall, you know, et cetera. So um, to the extent that external comparables are important, I, I, I think they are, I believe they are, and we have to get it right. Uh, I know that everybody maybe weights or values some of those factors more than others. I wouldn't, you know, obviously get into that for state secrets reasons, but, um, you know, out of those comparables, you do try to get down to which municipalities uh, are important. And uh, in terms of historical comparable, excuse me, comparables, uh, what I will say is, uh, you know, here's the only thing I'll say on that. Times change. In the 1700s, you know, we put leeches on people. Sure. Uh, we don't put leeches on people. Anymore. Well, maybe we do. I don't know. Maybe people are into it. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, we used to we used to cut people and bleed them and thought that was healthy in 1720. So if you had a historical comp set that was decided in arbitration, but times have changed, we're no longer putting leeches on people, and the equalized assessed valuation may have changed, and you can make a data-driven argument 
you can maybe change. Oh my those. God, how incredible would that be, right? <laughs> so there you, uh, there you go. And that's where getting the data the right way is important and in involving your district vice president. All the requests should go through the DVP so that we can, we can triage them as to what's important. Matt's group is extremely busy. You know, determine which ones are the ones that are eight months out and they're just fishing because they're bored. You know, right, want, right. And they want to know what, they want to know, like, oh, yeah, I'm getting ahead of the yeah. game. Well, shit changes yeah. in I have four months. years on. I want to yeah. run my retirement figures for 2042. Right, right. Um, but just all that, like like Luke said, all of that's at their fingertips. And that's great, but it can also be dangerous. Right. And that's where, again, like we keep saying, that 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 shield and sword, that temp tempering expectations is these guys have it at their fingertips. But they don't understand that Aurora isn't Clinton. You know what I mean? Right. Three guys versus 300. Right. You know, right. and, and getting that out of the data shop is huge. So, like, circling back to where we're at, Matt and I will sit down. I'll, I'll run, I can run a BCA from my iPad. I'll generally carbon copy Matt in on it. Hey, that I ran one. I think he already gets a notice anyway. But then I'll, like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Can you do a little bit deeper dive into here's the eight I believe are, are most comparable for? For a local, and let's let's just use Pekin. Here's our eight. Right. Matt, tell me whether you think I'm right or not. You can. And then Matt's do it like, little, "Oh my God, you're wrong. Yeah, you're uh, such ways. an idiot." Yeah. And he sends me back seven different. Denise, ways. you're yeah. Right. Yeah. right. The exactly. DVPs do a great job of helping a local select their comparables because a local might have, you know, a, a determined. These are our Mavis partners. This is who we run mutual aid with most often. Whatever the DVPs can help them make that data-driven decision on who their comparable should be. And it's a sound argument for if they have to make that argument well, later down the road. You guys will even get into, I mean, we're, we're immediately going into, you know, wages and healthcare and stuff. But you guys have immediately gone and been able to, to go into uh, residency issues, uh, clothing allowance, um, calls per bargaining unit member in terms of run numbers. I mean, the, the data is just uh, is incredible. It, it is. So, ooh, wait, hold on. We have a... It says micro SD card has limited space remaining. Are we good? Awesome. I think we should also leave this portion into it because it shows that we're cognizant of technological issues <laughs> and we knew that we might have had to hit control alt delete on this thing. So we're not really sure. Uh, but just to show you guys, I, I guess the, the podcast is designed not only to talk to people who are at every single event and who understand these things, but really for individuals who are, um, good union members, not on their executive boards, you know, maybe younger guys. Um, what I can say is, is just how powerful all of this is when it comes together and it works. You know, we keep database, we have our own database of interest arbitrators and how they tend to look at things you guys do as well. It's remarkable. I mean, like, man, I, I need, you know, how has this arbitrator ruled on health insurance in the last 15 years? It's like, oh, here's all the opinions. You're like, oh my God, you know, we do that. So when you have a, a union executive board and you have a district vice president and you have the, the data, as Sean would say, the data nerds, and you have the attorney that are all in concert with one another, um, people out there listening that may or may not be exposed to this have to realize how powerful that is on your behalf. It is like, I've always said like some kid with, you know, three years on that just wants to go like fight fires and like, yeah, doesn't understand the remarkable amount of, of, of structure and power that is behind what I just said. Like that, that like works. Like when you polish that up and you walk into a room and you're like, here you go. It's, it's amazing. 
it, 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 it was like something that you will not see unless you're an AFFI member. I really believe that. It's remarkable. And I think uh, being on a union executive board is hard. Right? You have your regular job, then now you have union responsibilities, and you're getting it from These all guys. ends. You're getting grievances. You're getting, what are we doing for contract negotiation? Don't you think we should talk to the chief about this at labor management? And it would be extremely difficult without the support of the AFFI for somebody to go out and research every arbitrator, every arbit uh, decision, and then you know what, how they decided on each type of issue with it, wages or health insurance or et cetera promotional weights, whatever it's going to be, read every contract to research every contract that has grievable discipline or cannabis language or something else in it. And those are services that are available to you. It's part of your due structure. It's why you're a member of the AFFI. So take advantage of them and let us help take some of that weight and pressure off of you as an executive board member. Yeah, the amount of information that the data shop you can't emphasize it enough. What they what they provide to us is is a district vice president. I talked about the basic comp analysis that helps determine what uh, locals are are truly comparable. We spend a lot of we spend a lot of time just talking about that, and then even so after that, um, once we figure out who those comparables are, what you see, Jerry, a lot is we we run what's called a total compensation analysis, right. and that's what we sit down. I like to sit down with the local and look at their wish list and. It shows where they're ranked. I mean, they do amazing job. How many pages is a normal total comp analysis? It depends on how many years, but I mean, we can get up so, into the twenties of pages. Yeah, I mean, they're long, and the amount of data in there is huge. Um, but what the DVP should be doing at that point is, once we've determined who's comparable, the locals put their wish list together. Is is what I like to do is I like to sit down with the locals and just go over it. Okay, yeah. you want wages? You want you want seven percent when the going rate is the average wage. Across the state four. is three and a half, yeah. four. Why? Well, we're underpaid. Okay, cool. Let's go look at that. And we can flip through and go, well, yeah, out of your seven comparables, you rank thirteen. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or or you rank <laughs> or you rank two. Right. right. You know, okay, now we're being a little greedy. You're you're already the second highest paid department in your group and you think you deserve more, you know, the temporary expectations, or there are the 13. Yeah. Like, okay, now we need to make a legitimate equity adjustment. Issues here. And we you went to, to go test something. five times. Yeah. And got, got to be one applicant yeah. in five tests. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, you're, and you're starting to see a few of those equity adjustments out Absolutely. there because people are having a hard time getting people to come in the door. But I mean, we have all that data from, from vacation time to Kelly days to clothing allowance, what they get and everything else. And, and it's a huge, it's a huge, um, tool to have in your toolbox when you're when you're sitting down and you're negotiating the contract. Um, what scares me with with that information is um, what we try not to give away what we have. And, and sitting at the at the bargaining table, I'm always very cautious about turning that over to the local if they're not having me negotiate. Yeah, um, because the last thing we want to do is for them to take that. 22 pages and just slam it on the table. I'm like, here's why I want everything. And this is what yeah. I'm, what I'm going to get. And now we've given the employer, if we go to arbitration, we've given, given them our playbook to prepare against, right. uh, to, to fight against us. I, um, I've actually had a couple of different times where the employer and there was a, the, there was a lot of trust there. And the employer's like, look, like we get it. We need to do some type of like comp study or analysis, et cetera. Will you help us? Like, will you share 
the you know different data, etc. And I'm telling you, I mean, the stars have to be remarkably aligned to do so. But I've had a couple of different scenarios where the employers like, are okay, like we get it, like we do have one applicant in four tests, like I we understand, you know, etc. And that's been really powerful stuff to do though too. But yeah, I mean, you know, you you know you you, you again can't say it enough. You know, we can't give away the state secrets, but. You know, the bargaining unit has to uh, uh, just understand the the amount of power and efforts that are and how do you, and how to use it and how do you use yeah. it? I've had times where I've I've not slid it across the table, but I've just flipped it. They're like, hell, you know, DeKalb makes blah blah blah. No, that's not right. Here's here's what a five year DeKalb right. guy makes. Oh, well, we're going to use your numbers. Cool. It's like when yeah. it's well, like when Luke Skywalker finally realizes he's a Jedi. <laughs> how do you use this incredible right? Yeah, galactic it, power. And it's just un, it, it is it's understanding how to use it as you know use it offensively and defensively. Correct. I think the value of the total compensation analysis when the data Don Sean Gillis set it up is we did a he did a great job of setting it up so that it's a full picture. It's not as simple as what is the annual wage. You know, what is the time off just for, you know, a brand new guy or the senior firefighter. It is several pages long because it looks at the entire picture and that's why it's called a total compensation analysis. So if you know your employer is making the argument that hey you're really well paid to your comp set, we also work the most amount of hours for it. So right. that information is there and it's important and it gives you an entire scope of what you're looking at as far as comparable what the market is that you're trying to ask your employer right. to. You give may you a be fair making deal. twenty thousand dollars more a year. Sure, but you're also working 600 hours more a year than X. Yeah, know, compensation that. and benefits is not as simple as what your annual salary is. That's There's correct. a lot of pieces to that puzzle, and I think... Um, Contrary we, we to give all you village thing. managers out there, their <laughs> thoughts, compensation is not solely based on how many zeros, right? Right. It, it all comes with a price. I mean, Kelly Day drives up your hourly rate, which makes overtime more. I mean, you have to understand that, you know, you have to truly be able to cost something out and know... Right. what you're asking for. And, and that's that's another portion of what we do as well, too, is sit down once we decide what we're going to go for, what we want, is determine what the cost is to the employer. You know, we need to know whether we're going in with a proposal that costs them $2 million a year or 200000 because that's a big difference. Well, also, though, because so you can make it with a straight face. I have no problem going in and making a proposal that's going to cost the employer $2 million. But if, if, if it's fair and reasonable and it's justified, et cetera, then, then absolutely, right? And, and, and it allows you to to go in and make that argument with a straight face. And it allows you, because I, I don't know of any good union president, I don't know of anybody in the AFFI that says that, and, and truly, uh, kidding aside, that truly sits there and says, hey, let's take advantage of the employer as much as we possibly can. I, I think that good union presidents, the good, uh, the statewide people that we have, the district people, et cetera, are like, we want a seat at the table and we want to be treated fairly, equitably, and reasonably. And I, I, I've, that's what I see. It truly is not, you know, maybe it's naive of me to say, but it is what I, I believe. And, and this data set of what you guys do helps us to get to that point. So you can walk in and say, yeah, our guys are getting screwed, man. And here's how, and here's how you employer are losing out on this. And you're losing out on these sets of employees and you're losing out on a, on a good morale, professional workforce, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. it all goes into the box. Right. A lot of that work goes on, you know, behind the scenes and, and it kind of brings us to that $2 million versus $200,000 is the other, the other leg of getting prepared and knowing what 
our comps are, what our guys are making, everything else is, is knowing whether the city has the ability to be able to pay it. And we talked about, we briefly glossed over the municipal financial analysis through the IFF, but we also have another tool in our tool chest that we, we have, um, we can request a municipal financial analysis through the IFF and they pull all the CAFA reports from the city for the last five or three or five years. Yeah. And they do a good job of, um, clearly describing in a document what a healthy municipality is and if the municipality is stricken or would have an inability to pay or it has a revenue problem or if their fund balance is appropriate per accepted accounting standards etc so yeah so it tells it gives us a brief financial overlook of the city whether the city can afford that two hundred thousand or that two million dollar ask right we know going into it you know, the city is going to start screaming poor. We're like, no, you have $13.9 million in unrestricted right, reserves. Right, right. And so you have the ability to pay for this. You have, you have like you're a 60% balance. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. your general fund, like you're doing okay here, right? right? You yeah. Just bought a firehouse cat. Swear to God, I was in the middle of an interest arbitration one time. I will not say it. In the middle of this interest arb, it was years ago. And they paid for the new, they're crying poor paid for the new firehouse with cash like where i'm like would you like write a check you know like 12.5 million dollars you know, paid to the owner of like i swear to god they paid for this thing cash but they didn't have any money i'm like well you know you, you kind of felt like uh you know like deb's touring the ford plant like who's gonna operate this beautiful firehouse now that you just paid 12 and a half million cash you know right so you just get to see uh the absurdity sometimes of the arguments on the other side so we'll pay anybody but you Right, time, right, time. yeah, we exactly. Literally, will pay anyone, but you know, but but you. So, um, what else are we missing? From so, I the I think for data DVP point of view for like Chris said, requesting a BC, BCA basic comp analysis and working through that with your DVP to establish a comp group is extremely important. Once we have that, then we can look at the total compensation analysis of that group and kind of see you know where the fair market value is. Another piece that I think is important is we can also analyze insurance costs from the data department. Data department does, Tony Polso does a great job of reading everybody's insurance plans and making sure we enter that stuff into our database. So that way we can tell you what your total maximum financial exposure is to your healthcare plan, because if your compensation is really good, but you're also paying way more for your health insurance in the market, then that might not exactly be where you want to be and you might want to readjust that at negotiation. But I think the suite of services data-wise that's really important for negotiations is that municipal financial analysis that can be requested through your DVP to the IFF, a basic comp analysis, the total comp analysis, and then if necessary, we can take a look at your insurance. We also have anything else you can think of available to you. There are 227 locals across the state we track as many odd things or trends that we can find. So it is unlikely, it's not a challenge, I'm not looking to be proved wrong, but it's unlikely that whatever you're dealing with in your local hasn't in some way, shape, or form been dealt with somewhere else. We track all of the legal opinions, the arbitration decisions, et cetera. We can search the database for those, kind of help you out with what's happened in the past or provide you contract language that would be relative to whatever you're dealing with. And again, those are services that are available to you. They're funded by the dues you're paying, so you should take advantage of it, contact your DVP, and utilize those resources. And if you are the couple of guys in every single local on the shop floor that never get involved and just throw grenades into the room and 
don't understand why you can't get 15% a year because you're a hero and you wear a uniform. Now maybe you understand a little bit of method to the, <laughs> to the, to the madness. So I want to get to the bottom of this one. One of the track language pieces is hair pieces. So I want to be clear about this. Um, we track everything. Oh, I'm so interested. Everything. Oh, you're you're going to like this one. Provide us I the just, answer. I just yeah. perked up. So um, we track everything that is interesting and unique. There are several uni uh, clauses and contracts related to uniform allowance that say, you know, the municipality is going to replace any of your uniforms. They would also replace things that would be the personal, piece. like glasses or wrist watches, things that you might have purchased but would be damaged in the line of duty. If I run a query of the database right now, it will discover that there is a single, one local, that is part of their uniform this allowance. Is the this is the best. I could get a new hair. I could get a. The employer thing. is Dude. responsible for replacing hairpiece slash <laughs> slash wigs that were damaged in the line of duty. And I tell you, I swear so, to you right now, that is a union president uh, that had a piece and put that thing in there. So for sure. trivia question you know, for the day. Where was this at, Jerry? Do you know where it is, Please Jerry? Tell us. Oh, please tell man. us. I know it's always been there, and the best part is I want to know why. <laughs> why? Um, uh, what I would say is that uh, never seen Jerry's face so red. We are comprehensive in advocating for all of our members. <laughs> um, and what I would say is, are when we, you we're not naming this. Yeah. <laughs> When you've seen the horrifying, like when you come out of a burning building and you look at a guy with, a, with the old to-do to -do down the head and you can see the glue running down his face, like the yellow glue, you realize this guy needs some help and you got to take care of him. And if you damage the squirrel, you got to you got to replace that it. That is man. awesome. <laughs> so if your local needs assistance. In arguing in for piece. hair piece language in your uniform clause, you guys contact your DVP you. and we may we have you. you. <laughs> I, can we put a disclaimer? It's a little bit of a longer one. Can we just put when we release this to say you really have to listen through to the end for this? Because the last couple minutes of this were golden. <laughs> I, I <laughs> this hope is they like, do. This is like amazing. Right? I, I figure they do. I mean, right. I just want to make sure that, you know. It's because this was that was remarkable. Guarantee that conversation did not happen on any other state's podcast. There's no doubt, right? Again, didn't happen. yeah, like Indiana's talking about that, right? They're talking about like new and inventive ways to use corn, certainly not about anything just like topics like this. Like, that's absurd. I am now with any local that has Clark Baird Smith as their attorneys, I'm going to make a proposal now that involves the replacement of, of hair it. pieces and wigs. Just so I could torture Bob Smith a little bit more. That really I makes love me. It. Well, I think most guys nowadays have just decided to shave it all. You off. just go bald. Bald, yeah. yeah I think like that's... that alpha male wrestler bald thing. But yeah. back in the day, you yeah. had the old. You had to have it. The thing on the head. You had to have it. So well, and I think another point uh, we just as a board had a discussion about our data department, and uh, the beauty is it expanded over time, and our membership has supported those expansions. And the ability, the ability to provide that data right back to our locals. But in the last like six months, I think I tracked. We did 160 different data requests. 
Vermont yeah, local. So it's it's phenomenal, and uh, I think sometimes it's, with twenty minutes worth of notice. You know? Yeah, sometimes <laughs> five. Hey, I need this in five hours. Hey, <laughs> <I> wait. <laughs> yeah. we, we prefer that you not do that. Yeah, but, yeah if you could you not know, do that, that'd be great. It's uh, it, it's a great um, asset to our members and the and the locals, and just you know, I, I'm glad we're able to discuss this because uh, it's an important part of our organization. I've never seen anything like it. As like I said, as someone who's fortunate enough to represent all types of labor, I've never seen anything like what uh, the Associated Firefighters brings to the table. I, I swear, I've never, it's, it is remarkable. Um, so hopefully people understand that and they appreciate it. And I'm sure that you guys will be tracking all sorts of weird things, maybe prosthetic legs. We'll I see. need, I need to know. I, I need to know how many locals have language regarding prosthetic legs and other collective bargaining agreements. We can try something like that. Sure. Right. I was a pirate. Now he wants to be a fireman. They go from there. Anything else that we're missing? Um, No, just a a quick wrap up, I guess, as as far as from the the DVP standpoint is um, if you're a union president and you're ever unsure what to do, no problem is too big or too small to reach out to your, to your DVP. Um, We should be your first, first point of contact. I think all the VPs are, are extremely accessible. Mm-hmm. They're all there when um, when you need them. Uh, you guys, you know, talk about Denise. Um, she's very good at being passive aggressive. Yeah, I'll answer the phone anywhere. Just to ask her. She's take she, her passive aggressive thing now is to walk by and take a picture of me when I'm on the phone <laughs> while we're on, while we're on vacation. We've got pictures at Fenway Park and at the beach in Mexico. Um, but we, that's our job. That's, you know, that's, that's what we're there for. We're there to, to answer that call. When you call us, don't apologize for having to bother me, um, to ask a question because it's, it's not a bother. Um, the disclaimer is if you call Chris Coates at nine o'clock on a Friday night, you might get a different, yeah you might get a different Chris Coates depending on what Friday night it is. Then, then Monday after you'll get angry so, whiskey. Chris yeah. You Coates might get, is what yeah, you get. E- exactly. Yes. So, but don't, don't ever hesitate to reach out know that we're there for you. And, and that's our job. So, Reach out when you need us. I love Angry Whiskey, Chris Coates. I think that's fantastic. I'm kind of fun. Yeah. Well, you 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 would definitely hem in the bargaining unit to more reasonable offers at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the reason you're in trouble. You're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just quit being just dumb for like I don't know sixty days, man. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for what he did. He uh, captured that, and uh, we'll go find anything else to discuss. I think we're good to go. No, I, again, appreciate you guys coming by. I know Chris it was a little bit of a trip for you, but I got important information our our members need to know about and know what we do for them. And the that. next episode, I think we're going to try to build upon this a little bit. We might get into mediation, arbitration, in the next couple okay. after this one. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Take care, everybody. All right. Thank you. Bye.